Hello and welcome to Crusher Talk with Haley Crusher Kane. I'm back. Let's see if we can get these analytics lower and lower every week. I'm going to try as hard as I possibly can. <laughs> um, we've had a great a few days. We had a recording session down in LA at Kitten Robot Records where we finished the last four vocal tracks. Um, we invited a friend of ours, John Miller, to come and just sort of be a fly on the wall. And he was really helpful in jumping up and p picking up the guitar and, um, you know, adding a few guitar licks here and there or uh, doing backing vocals. He's great at backing vocals and actually has a very feminine voice, which I found very funny. Um, not that a man can't have a female voice, but it just, I've always wanted to have an all-girl band with all the harmonies and, you know, you listen to the Go-Go's and there's four women singing together and it's all very beautiful and you know, John has this really angelic voice. So <laughs> when you hear the new record, you'll you'll think that there's I'm either doubling or there's somebody else in the studio, another woman in the studio. But no, it's just John Miller. So um, it's been a great uh, recording session. Um, we just wrapped everything up for the album pretty much. Now we're in the mixing phase and that presents its own unique uh, conundrums, puzzles. I mean, it really is a puzzle. You know, you pull one thing up, you got to pull something down. Um, sometimes you have too much, sometimes you have too little. In this case, I feel like for the entire album, we have a lot of a lot. We have a lot of layers, a lot of ideas. Um, we took a really great care this time with the album to work smarter, not harder, in terms of culling down the songs and working on the arrangement of the songs, this, you know, not being too indulgent with having too many parts or cutting things to simplify choruses, um, basically questioning everything we were doing to the point where we were like, is this good anymore? Um, anyone who's made a record knows that that's where you want to be. Once you question whether it's worth doing or if it's even good, you've definitely done your job. It means you've paid attention and you've worked really diligently on it. You've listened to those um, you know, tracks that many times. You've played them that many times. You've considered them that many times. And so, of course, you know, no one's perfect. And, you know, I wouldn't say this is the most perfect record in the world, but it's not the, we're not the most perfect band in the world. So I hope that it still shows who we are and has a lot of authenticity, regardless of the um, beautiful, polished, high production value that our amazing producer, Paul Rossler, has been able to achieve. He is one of those people that is miles, miles and miles beyond um, in terms of really understanding the ins and outs of music, music theory, um, how, <laughs> how to make things sound really, really good. But which is one, something that's really great about him as well is that he doesn't, he's not going to do it unless the artist wants him to do it. So he's not going to make big changes to the sound. He's there to bring our vision forth. And as much as we've tried to make it a collaborative process, he's extremely um, pointed about that. He wants to make sure that he's really fulfilling the artist's vision. And so I have to say it's been really interesting to see when we do, you know, unleash him on certain things like having him do keyboard parts or he's actually done some amazing harmonies. He's um, added his vocals to some of the, the songs. It's amazing what he can do. He really is a powerhouse and he adds such a unique touch to the music. He's um, a long, long time producer of 
some iconic punk rock music, but he's also worked with a lot of other genres. So it's just an interesting and, um, I don't know, just a very dynamic partnership that we have going on. So it's been really fun to go down there every few months. I think this is our fourth or fifth session. And it's exciting to know that I think we are pretty much wrapping it up. So uh, without any uh, spoiler alerts or trying to promise something that you know will fall through, um, we're hoping to have something, uh, an album for you in the spring of 2022. So that's exciting. Um, we uh, have a show coming up um, in a few weeks with Authority Zero at Slow Brew Rock, which is a local venue here in San Luis Obispo, California. And we'll be uh, playing that show with our friend B-Ball, Brian Mozell, who's filling in for uh, Action Ben Cabriana. Um, I should let you guys know, I guess I'll just break it here first, that um, Action Ben Cabriana, as much as we love him and adore him, is really busy with other things in his life at the moment. Um, very important things actually. And I don't want to go into his life or what's going on with him, but these are all good things and good growth opportunities for him. And we support him in following those dreams and reaching his potential and going for the things he wants to do. Being in this band, we work our drummers and our, our musicians pretty hard and there's a lot always going on. There's a lot of commitment. There's a lot of music videos and a lot of practicing. There's a lot of, well, in theory, shows. Um, we're always trying to book tours and just look into the future six months, a year out. And it's not something to be taken lightly. So we are working with Brian right now, B-Ball, as a stopgap. He's a wonderful drummer, local guy, um, but he's not someone who's going to be on the road with us. So to be continued on the drummer situation um, since day one. I mean, we've really worked with probably what six or seven drummers at this point. Um, our set list actually at the moment, I've been sending our set list on Spotify out to different drummers and I counted four different drummers just in the recording of those songs on our set list, which is like what 18 songs or something. So um, the history of the band has always allowed room for people to come in and out and to become honorary crushers or to become lifelong crushers, retired crushers, if you will. So I think that was a smart decision. Um, one that we made out of, you know, it was a utilitarian decision, but it is kind of the culture of the band. So, uh, as much as it is hard to say goodbye or to shut the door on a wonderful, I keep saying wonderful, you know, it's Dr. Kane's favorite word, a wonderful um, partnership with a drummer who's given us five-star service for, let's see, 18, 19, about four years now, maybe a little bit more. Man, that's a long time. Um, yeah, you got to look towards the future. So we are looking towards new drummers and new opportunities there. Um, if you guys know anyone, uh, please email me or you know contact me through Substack or social media. Um, we have an ongoing list right now of people we're looking at, and we'll be trying people out. And there will be plenty of shows and opportunities for um, drummers to join us and be part of the fun. So if that sounds like someone you know, do let us know, because this is a very interesting time and the door is wide open. Um, so today, actually, Dr. Kane has been threatening every week he wanted to do his own Crusher Talk. And I kept saying on the Tuesday 
well, it's Tuesday. I'm going to start doing it. I'm going to do the Crusher Talk because, you know, you got to just press play and do it. <laughs> you can't really, um, you can pre-record these. However, from my experience, when I did pre-record one, it cut off after the 10 minute mark. So I have a feeling that you cannot pre-record anything over um, 10 minutes. And if you do that, it's going to cut it off. So, um, it's really better to just get on here and just start going and press play and get out all the news you need to get out or whatever you want to talk about. So he's been busy the last uh, few weeks, last few Tuesdays, but we have him here on this Tuesday. He's been working around the house, doing a little grouting. Um, and he has a, he has a theme, but you know, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, tell you what he's going to talk about because he's his own person. So let's go find Dr. Kane and I will pass the laptop off. <clears throat> okay, so today I'm going to talk about how after New York we were um, looking at hats and stuff. So I was going to talk about how to choose the perfect hat for um, if you want to be uh, a crusher. So the first thing I typically wear uh, mesh back, snap back hats with a pretty rigid front. Um, I'm a little short, so it doesn't work. I don't really like the new era hats. They're too tall. So I think that's for tall people or someone who's larger. I'm only five, six and a half. So generally I wear a baseball cap with a mesh back. And they have the floppy ones that are kind of floppy in the front. Like, that's the kind that people play golf in or, like, your grandpa wears. They're kind of weird-looking and, and flaccid. So I like there to be a structure in the front. Um, in the summertime, it's always a mesh back hat. Uh, I prefer camo hats cause, or, like, black or dark-colored ones. I ruin them pretty quickly because they get dirty at work or whatever. So they die pretty fast. Um... In the winter, I'll wear a, a solid back, which is instead of mash, mesh in the back, it's like material, and that's to keep my bald-ass head warm. And um, they, they're harder to find in snapback that are nice, uh, but you can, you can find them if you look harder. And yeah, so I bought a bowler hat in New York. It was a wool bowler hat. This is a new thing. I thought I'd try it out. Um, it was not a cheap hat by any stretch. But I think it'll be pretty rad to wear at shows and stuff. I'm bringing it back like the old uh, Clockwork Orange style. And <clears throat> I had a, a, a fedora that was like, I guess it's, it's kind of a fedora. It's like a crushable um, straw hat that I've been wearing I liked. But it's now wintertime, so I was at the thrift store and ended up with a wool version of that hat. So I'm pretty stoked on that. Uh, I have a number of Western hats. Um, the best ones, of course, are the wool Western hats. I like the gray ones, gray wool cowboy hats. They're super expensive, though, so I try to keep them relatively nice. And then I have a nice straw cowboy hat uh, that's like, they're like 60 bucks for a nice one. And then I always have a work version of the same hat that costs about half as much. And that's for, I work out in the sun a lot and try to keep sun off my bald head. So I buy a cheap, a cheaper version. They're like $35 or something. But they're not like the 7-Eleven cowboy hats. They're like the traditional rancher style. The 7-Eleven cowboy hats have like American flags spray painted on them for some weird fucking reason. And they like rolled up at the side. You see like chicks, women in, um, with tramp stamps and like 
um, tank tops wearing those around. I, I really don't look, I don't like those so much. So I stick with the uh, regular Western style hat. Um, I think my hat arsenal is about. Um, I probably got six baseball hats and probably six Western hats, which don't get as much use because some of them are too fancy and it's never really that cold in California. So the, the wool Western hat doesn't really come out very often. Um, so uh, if you have, if you're going to have hats made um, and you want to sell one to me, uh, they're, they're best if they're mesh back, solid front, uh, darker color, and preferably an embroidered or a patch uh, for thing on it instead of the screen printed trucker hats which um, aren't really for me either because they make they look they're just too tall I'm just a, I'm just a short guy so <clears throat> that's how I choose a hat um, they last about six months the work hats last about six months generally the hat starts as a regular daily wear when I'm not at work and then slowly, in about a year, it gets so gross that it moves down to work hat status. And then it's pretty much a, a quick decline into disgusting and uh, into the trash. Although some of them can be saved by I put them through the dishwasher. Um, and that will buy maybe a month or two. If, it's, if I like the hat, I'll run it through the dishwasher. But that ruins it pretty fast, too. And I pay typically $13. My favorite hats come usually from the gas station with, like, weird... They, they look dumb sayings on them. I have one that has a cobra on it for some reason. And then um, I'll just buy them when I see them. But that is about it. Haley, did you want to add anything to the end of this story? Looks like she's on working on some music right now. So that's my boring hat story. Um... Is, do I hey do I pot can I do I pause <laughs> and that's all folks all right.